0: Welcome to the Danny Picard Show on the Podcast One Network. Monday, October 7th, 2019. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, BeantownUSA.com. On today's show, I will react to all of Week 5 in the NFL, including the Patriots win in Washington, and we have some breaking NFL news for you that I'm going to open the show with, and then I'm going to share some thoughts on a few other things going on in the sports world as we begin the busiest time of year. We got postseason baseball to go along with the NFL, and then, of course, the NHL has begun its regular season, and the NBA now getting ready to begin its regular season as their preseason has begun, and the Celtics have played a preseason game. And all the talk is about one guy, Taco Fall, seven foot six. Taco Fall will he even make the team. I don't know, but I have some thoughts on some other things in the sports world that I will close out the show with. All of it today, presented by Bet Online. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag using promo code Podcast One to receive a fifty percent sign up bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, the exclusive partner of PODCAST1 Sportsnet. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK P-I-C. And you can play for free this Sunday in the $1.3 million play-action contest for Week 6 in the NFL. 1.3 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. And again, play for free by signing up right now using promo code PIC. P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, PIC at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show. 75 degrees and sunny here in Boston today on October 7th. A good breeze out there. Take advantage of it. All right, embrace it because I think this is probably the last day in the 70s that we get um if you want to open your windows today this is the day to do it because I don't know when the next time you're going to be able to do that so uh take advantage and embrace the 75 degree weather this afternoon here in Boston but um you know as we take a look back at week 5 in the NFL you see the weather today can be kind of a Uh, you know, it can mess you up. Like you (laughs) you wake up and it's warm out. You open the window and you throw shorts on T you want to throw shorts and a t-shirt on, but you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? It's October 7th. It's not August 7th. It's October 7th. So, uh, it can throw you off a little bit, but it, we just had week five in the NFL and uh, the top story in week five. Well, of course we get a Monday night game tonight, Cleveland, San Francisco, By the time you listen to this, that game might be over with already. San Francisco, a five-point favorite at home against the Cleveland Browns. It's a big game for both teams. I'm going to stay away, but if you put a gun to my head, I'd be tempted to take the points. I'd be tempted to take Cleveland, even Moneyline, just to win this game in San Francisco. So uh, it's going to be a good one. And the Monday night games have sucked for the most part. But this is going to be a good one. Again, by the time you listen to this, you might not listen until Tuesday and that game might be over with. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But the top story in the NFL so far through week five through Sunday's games is that there is breaking news today. Washington fires its coach Jay Gruden fired. We all knew this was happening. So really, how breaking is it? We all knew this was going to happen uh, was it going to happen after the Patriots beat Washington? Uh, it was going to happen in in the next couple of weeks. I can tell you that. Uh, and and I even told you last week on Thursday that it could happen at halftime. Well, fortunately for Jay Gruden, Washington actually put up a fight in the first half against the Patriots on Sunday yesterday. That that was only a twelve to seven game at the half. Washington had a seven nothing lead. They started Colt McCoy, and Washington put up a fight. They put up a good fight in the first half, at least. And then the Patriots closed it out with three unanswered touchdowns in the second half. And, of course, now the news today is the breaking news. Jay Gruden has been fired, reports that they called him into the office at 5 a.m. Well, what? People are up in arms about this. They're like, oh, Washington, like you did him wrong. You know what? Win, Win some games. Win some games. Win some games. And then don't get fired. Do I care about what time they fight him? Do I care about what time they called him into the office? What time do you go into the office as an NFL coach? It's usually around 5.30, 6 a.m. Maybe he wasn't showing up that early. And maybe that was part of the problem. From a preparation standpoint, if you're the Washington organization, you're like, this guy doesn't even want to be here anymore. He never wanted to come in early. What time does Belichick get to Foxborough? And I know that's a... To compare anybody to Belichick is, is is setting a bar too high for anyone. Obviously, we see the stupidity with coaching in the NFL. Uh, to try to use Belichick to set the bar that that's too high, right? It's too high. We shouldn't do it because it's almost too much to ask. But what time does Belichick show up? You've we've we've all seen the 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 videos and the documentaries and the NFL film specials where they have. Ah, uh, Belichick. What, what's the what's the thing called? Do your job. Is that what it is? What it, is? it was on NFL Network or HBO. What, what was it? Where they go behind the scenes? Belichick. He shows up at Gillette at like at like five a.m. Doesn't he? What time do So you call Gruden in to get fired at five a.m. and people are up in arms. They're like, oh, how how could Washington do this? Well, first of all, first of all, I'm not going to look at it that way because the way anyone should be looking at it is. Well, what could he have done to maybe keep his job? He couldn't keep his job. So it really, to me, doesn't matter. Like, he should have been fired. Is anyone debating whether or not Jay Groom should have been fired? No. People are now debating what time they should fire him at or how they should go about it. Uh, they called him at a 5 a.m. I, I, I imagine that most NFL coaches are going into the facility n- not too much longer after 5 a.m. Like, around 5.30, 6 a.m. maybe? And maybe he wasn't showing up early. And maybe Washington always wanted him to be there early. They wanted him to be the first guy in the building. And maybe he was, like, the 20th guy in the building. And they're like, well, you know what? Send him the message here. We're going to call him in and make him, you know, first guy in the building. And uh, we're going to have him waiting at that door until we show up for the meeting. And then we're going to fire his ass. I have no problem with it. I... I almost I almost respect it when I see people on Twitter complaining about it, right? When I see everybody who's so soft on Twitter complaining about it. That's what Twitter is. It's soft. It's just it's people can't wait to complain. They can't wait to crush. They can't wait to criticize. They can't wait for something to be upset about. Oh, how could you do Jay Gruden like this? What are you talking about? He sucked as a football coach. He made a lot of money. To suck. And they fight him. And we don't know the whole story. Maybe he wasn't showing up till 7 a.m. Then maybe that's a problem. They called him at a 5 a.m. Who cares? They fight him. That's the story. Jay Gruden. Now for Washington assistant coach Bill Callahan will take over on an interim basis. But if you watch if you're watching Washington football, then I, I think you gotta watch the quarterback position because it is time to put the kid Haskins in. I don't care what type of situation you're putting him in, put him in. Let him play. Let him play. Now I, I get it. You left tackle who's holding out. You have that situation there. Um But he you know, Haskins, he he played with the Kid McLaurin, right? I, I just put put the kid in. Put Haskins in at quarterback. Um but Washington loses to the Patriots. I think we all knew that was gonna happen. And so the top story today is after this loss, Jay Gruden is officially fired. The only reason he wasn't fired at halftime is because Washington, like I said, was putting up a fight. 12-7 to at the half. The Patriots defeat Washington 33-7. That's a cover. Now the Patriots now 3-2 against the spread this season. It was a 15-point spread when I got it last Thursday. I think it went up to like 16 half at kickoff. It's still a cover. So the Patriots 3-2 against the spread this season. And that was really my only concern. Even with the 12-7 to game at the half, my only real concern in this one was, my concern wasn't, are oh, the Patriots going to win this game? If you were concerned whether or not the Patriots would win the game, then you have not been paying attention to what the Patriots are and what they can do with halftime adjustments. And, and, and you weren't paying attention with what Washington is. Washington took a 7-0 lead. That touchdown from Sims up the... Was it Sims? Is that who scored it uh, up the right sideline? That was some terrible tackling by the Patriots defense. They were snoozing. Snoozing. Terri- it was a wake-up call for the Patriots defense, basically. All that terrible tackling. It was a wake-up call. But Washington takes 7th at the lead. Patriots, they score a touchdown. And then you get the new kicker, Mike Nugent, who is replacing Steven Goskowski. Goskowski out for the year. He's having hip surgery. Mike Nugent <laughs> shanks the first kick he has to make. An extra point. Sends it wide right. And it looked exactly the same as Guskowski's misses looked. And you're like, oh, here we go. Does anybody want to kick for this team? Does anybody want to kick for the Patriots? Come on now. Nugent misses that, but he responds with two field goals in the first half to give the Patriots a 12-7 lead at the half. Uh, but And the Patriots responded to the first extra point, actually, by going for it on fourth down with a terrible play call, the direct snap. You weren't fooling anybody with that. You weren't fooling anyone in the building with that. You weren't fooling anybody at home with that. Once Brady went to his left, everybody and their mother knew what the Patriots were doing. Stop. If you want to go for it, I'm okay going for it in that position. But it's a, it, this is an easy play call. Do not complicate this. Sometimes Josh McDaniels can really piss you off. Just go for the QB sneak. And if you're not going to go for the QB sneak, have Brady line up in shotgun, spread him out, and find some type of little, you know, little dump off, you know, little quick comeback route. Like, you know, you want to beat man coverage in that position? You know, take the running back, line him up wide, put him in the slot, have Edelman in the slot, little comeback. Like, It's simple but they complicated with the direct snap. I don't, I don't hate them for going for it on fourth down, but don't give me the direct snap when you have so many better options, including the Brady quarterback sneak. So, um, you know, that was the first half. Washington put up a fight, and that was really the only reason we did not see tweets from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter during the half that said Jay Gruden would be fired after the game because Washington was putting up a fight. But the Patriots... In the second half, they came out, they started running the football right away, and it opened up the passing game, and the Patriots finished the game with three unanswered touchdowns. It is clear, though, that the Patriots obviously have an issue on third down and in the red zone by not having Rob Gronkowski. Like, they really, like, we're seeing week after week, I think the more the weeks go on, the more they miss Gronk, and that's why I keep telling you I'm on Gronk watch. Like, I do think at some point, we are going to get to a point where Brady is doing exactly what Gronkowski's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said when, when Drew Rosenhaus laid out the potential for Gronk to return back in March, just a day after Gronk retired, Gronk announces his retirement on Instagram. The next day, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, is on ESPN, and he's explaining to them the way that maybe, just maybe, Gronk could return. He lays out the, the plan. He lays it out. He says, well, if Tom calls Gronk, you know, in, 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 in mid-November, and he's like, Rob, we need you, I could see Gronk returning. And that's what Rosenau said. And you know what? I could see him returning too. It's just, is Brady going to give him that call? I think the more they we see them struggle at times on third down, the more we see them struggle at times in the red zone, I, I think – the more likely it is that Brady and Grant connect at some point in the next month on the phone, in a text, you know, FaceTime, I don't know, however they communicate, however they communicate. They, they will talk, and we'll see. But it's clear the Patriots miss him, right? And not just there, but also in the run game. Um. But when you look back, the Patriots— they, Were you concerned? I was not concerned that the Patriots would win this game. I knew they'd win. My only concern was, were they going to cover? That was my only concern. Were the Patriots going to cover the 15-point spread? They did cover the 15-point spread. You got Edelman with 110 receiving yards on eight catches. But, and this is, I guess, getting to my concerns here. My concern was not that the Patriots are going to win. But I did have some other concerns. And one of them was Edelman grabbing his ribs again. And he did have another drop. Edelman's had a case of the drops this season. He's he's dropped a couple passes here. Uh, uh, you know, three or four passes in the last couple weeks. And really through the first five weeks. Where I'm going, that's not a typical Edelman drop. And then when you see him, even, and you know, he did have 110 yards receiving, so you can only criticize him so much. But he was grabbing the rib area. And you do see drops like that, and you're like, yeah, hey, we're not used to seeing that from Edelman. Is there something else going on? I wonder just if he, and he's grabbing the rib area again yesterday. You know, at some point, do you have to maybe sit him down? Philip Dorsett, you know, left the game early with an injury. So uh, keep an eye on him. They obviously need him. Brady Brady missed a, a, a touchdown pass to Gordon early in that game, deep over the middle. Brady was inaccurate early. But I, I think that has to do with the offensive line. I think he's seeing ghosts at times back there. I think that's just human nature. When when you're getting hit, Tom Brady was sacked four times in this game. Uh, now, he was taken out of the game early. You know, they took him out in the fourth because the game was over. They put Stidham in. But you saw this same move a couple weeks ago against the Jets. Stidham drove the pick six. They put Brady back in the game. When Brady was taken out of that game against the Jets, he was visibly upset about it. And then he goes back into the game. This time... I think there's a little more understanding from Brady's end for a couple reasons. One, you got the Thursday night game. It's a quick turnaround. You come home uh, after two straight road games in Buffalo and in D.C. You come home. You got a Thursday night game. Patriots will play the Thursday night game this week. They're at home against the Giants. The Patriots open as a 16-point favorite in this game against the Giants. Giants... Coming off a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Giants back down to earth like I told you they would be when I gave my picks last week when I took Minnesota. By the way, I went 2-3 and three with my picks. 2-3 and three with my picks in week 5. Not good. Not good. Minnesota minus 5 and Patriots minus 15 were the only teams that covered for me. The teams that lost it for me, that screwed me. Atlanta. I had them plus 5. Though it was looking like that was going to be exactly what I predicted a back-and-forth game where Atlanta would cover the spread, maybe lose the game and cover the spread late with a backdoor cover, but then Atlanta just fell apart in the fourth quarter. And so I lose that. I took Dallas. What was it, minus 2.5 or minus 3? Whatever it was, maybe minus 3.5. I thought Dallas would win by a touchdown at home. And I'll get to that. I'll get to the the Dallas stuff. But uh, they screwed me. And then Kansas City. And I'll get to Kansas City because Kansas City just... That was embarrassing, what you saw in Sunday Night Football out of the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Embarrassing. But we'll get to that. But I went two and three with my picks. Patriots and Minnesota, the only teams covering for me. And Minnesota beat the Giants. That was one of the teams I covered. And the Giants will come to Gillette Stadium Thursday night. Thursday night football against the Patriots. Patriots right now a 16-point favorite. In that game. But it's a short week, so Brady understands that. He gets taken out of the game early. But he also understands that this offensive line is having issues. And Brady praised the offensive line, actually. Did he praise it post-game and then in his radio interview this morning on Monday on WEI? He does the, the weekly radio spot. He's been doing it for years. And and today, it, it was either this morning or yesterday, maybe even both. In the post-game and then this morning. He praised the offensive line, knowing the injuries that they've dealt with, the guys that they've lost. He praised Dante Kanekia, how he's coaching them up, and that they've done an exceptional job given given the circumstances. It's, it's high praise f- from Brady for a group that, you know, is at times, if you watch, forcing Brady to see some ghosts still. It is, but that's, I'm not blaming Brady for that. I'm blaming the offensive line. You know, Brady got hit. Brady's been getting hit, and I wonder he could say whatever he wants publicly, but privately, I just wonder deep down inside what his confidence level is in that offensive line. My confidence level is not good, and I'm a you know I praise Dante Scarnecchia all the time. I praise this offensive line, but I mean it, it, it is at times tough to watch. It is so um, you know that's the offensive line is a concern we're talking about concerns of the Patriots. It's the offensive line. It's Edelman grabbing his ribs. It's, you know, the the fact that they clearly missed Gronk on third down and in the red zone. Um, and you know, when you got Dorset set out and Edelman's hurting and, and your offensive line is shaky, you know, what does this offense look like? It's 12 to seven at the half yesterday. I, I thought this would be a blowout early. And it wasn't, but I was never concerned the Patriots are going to lose the game. I, I, I just didn't know if they were going to cover. And they did cover. And they did cover. So the top story is really in the NFL right now. Patriots beat Washington and Jay Gruden gets fired. That's the breaking news today. And um, that's my reaction to the Patriots win. The Patriots now 5-0 and on the season. And on this Monday morning. As we enter Monday Night Football with Cleveland and San Fran. San Fran undefeated at 3-0. San Fran only 3-0 because they had a bye last week. But now, on this Monday morning, because of what happened on Sunday Night Football, with the Chiefs losing to the Colts, the Patriots are just one of two undefeated teams, the Patriots and San Francisco, Brady and Jimmy G. The only two undefeated QBs in the National Football League right now. As we enter Monday Night Football, will that change? Will San Fran lose at home to Cleveland? I, I mean, it could happen. If you're sitting there going, there's no way San Fran loses to the Browns. I, I don't know how you could say that. In a league that is so stupid, right? I, I don't know how you could possibly sit there and have all this confidence in the San Francisco 49ers tonight on Monday Night Football. I don't. I mean, I, I could see it either way. I, I'm going to stay away from this game. I really am gonna stay away uh if you put a gun in my head though i'd be I'd be thinking about taking the points in Cleveland, but my picks also have not been that good the last three weeks <laughs> right I went two and three like I said against the spread in week five now eleven and fourteen on the season. I will bounce back though I will I will bounce back so bear with me, please bear with me but uh story number two here story number one is Gruden gets fired, and the Patriots you know help make Washington's decision, help make Dan Snyder's decision on that front. Story number two, going over the top stories in the NFL through week five, story number two, is that the Patriots are now only one of two undefeated teams in the NFL, and maybe this should maybe this should be, story number two should just be, Kansas City is no longer undefeated. And maybe the story should be, by saying that, the story should be, Kansas City, not only is no longer undefeated, but, they look like a very vulnerable team. The Chiefs look like a team and they've looked like this the last couple of weeks and I've said it on this show where and now I did pick Kansas City to to win and win big last night. I thought at home national TV, Sunday Night Football and NBC Patrick Mahomes would have a, would make it a point to put on a show and he had, he had that touchdown pass where he's running around you know, and, and he, he throws on the run. That's Patrick Mahomes. That's the video game style that he plays with, right? That That's him putting on a show. I thought he'd do a lot more of that. I think he was limited with that because he did have the ankle injury, right? And he got hit hard. I thought that was a knee, actually. They taped up the ankle. They were saying ankle. You know, then he got the ankle stepped on after he got taped up at the half. I, he, I think he was hurting more than maybe they were letting it on – you know, letting it play out on the broadcast. I thought maybe they weren't, you know, maybe they didn't mention that enough when it first happened, when he took that hit. Because they ran right up, right, and went for it on fourth down, didn't they? They ran right up and went for it on fourth down Um, right after you get hurt. Look, Kansas City, forget about their offense and forget about what Indianapolis did defensively because people are going to praise Indy's defense for slowing down Mahomes, for slowing down the Chiefs' offense. Good for Indy's defense. But I do think the story here is if you've watched the Chiefs the last couple weeks, and I'm kind of watching them as a gambler because I've picked the Chiefs now three weeks in a row to cover the spread, and they have not done that. Why haven't they covered the spread? Because their defense, Kansas City's defense, cannot make the big stop. They can't do it. And you saw it with Indianapolis last night on multiple occasions on those field goal drives. They're, Indy's going for it on fourth down. Now, Indy's been really good on fourth down. That's why they keep going for it. They, they're they playing with confidence in that spot. Right? They know the percentages of what they can do on fourth down. But, man, I mean, it also has to do with Kansas City's defense. I don't know if I don't know if it's a personnel thing or a coaching thing. Or by the looks of it, though, it it kind of looks like um, like they, they're just not even in shape. Like they they a team's driving on them and they're just dead tired. You know, they get their hands on the hips, they can't do anything. Kansas City's defense: the story here is that they cannot make a big stop. They can't. They can't. And if their offense isn't going to be an out of this world offense, like it has been in the past, like if their offense is vulnerable as well, Kansas City is not going to beat a team like the Patriots. They're just not. They're not going to do it. And it's just Kansas City's defense. You go back three weeks ago against Baltimore. Baltimore came back, drove down the field late in that game, and and covered the spread, had a chance to maybe get an onside kick, and and then, you know, make it interesting. Kansas City won that game, but they couldn't stop Baltimore on their final drive. Then he got the game against Detroit two weeks ago, or whatever, last week, and it was back and forth. Kansas City could not stop Detroit driving down the field. Kansas City had to rely on Mahomes and their offense, and a fourth down conversion of their own to to drive down the field and beat Detroit last week. And then last night on Sunday Night Football, Indianapolis, Kansas City had plenty of opportunities like, every second down play for Indianapolis on Sunday Night Football was, was, was a big play. And that that's a problem for Kansas City. They could not stop that second down play that would give Indianapolis a third and one or a third and short. And even if Indy wasn't getting that third and short on third down, they were getting it on fourth down. Kansas City had no answer to that. That's a huge problem for the Chiefs. They, their defense cannot what I've learned about Kansas City over the last two, three weeks is that Kansas City's defense, and we maybe have, we've known about this for the last year and a half, but Kansas City's defense cannot make the big stop. They just cannot do it. It, it's, it's, it seems impossible for them to do. And so because of that, they're an extremely vulnerable team. And I know we look at Kansas City and we put them on this pedestal. We see Mahomes being an elite quarterback. We call them an elite football team. We see that right now. All right, they're not undefeated anymore, but they're still 4-1. Um, they still have a chance to get a first-round bye. So as long as they have a chance to get a, get a first-round bye, and they do play the Patriots at Gillette Stadium in Week 14 on December 8th, Sunday at 425 on CBS. December 8th in week 14. And as long as, you know, they keep that interesting and they they remain in the hunt for a first-round bye and Mahomes is healthy, or healthy enough to play, people are going to put Kansas City on this pedestal and give them elite status in this league. But if you really watch what their defense is, they should not be on that. They maybe should not be on that level. Because their defense cannot make a stop. And we've known this for a long time. And it continues to show itself. And it showed itself last night in Sunday Night Football. They had so many chances to stop Indianapolis. All they had to do was make a tackle. You know, all they had to do was, was, was finish with some pressure. They could not do any of it. They couldn't cover. They couldn't make a tackle. They couldn't get pressure. They could, you know, they couldn't make a big stop. And because of that, and I know you could say, well, it was Ben, but don't break, because they were only allowing field goals. Kansas City was only allowing field goals. Like, well, those field goals were hurting them because their offense couldn't do anything, right? So those field goals are hurting them. You needed to start... You could have stopped them from kicking those field goals and had a chance to drive down the field yourself and kick a field goal, maybe a game-winning field goal. So, uh... If you're a Chiefs fan, I can't even imagine how frustrating it is to watch our defense knowing that there is nothing you can do against anybody, really. Think about it. The team that's been driving all over them. Don't, and don't give me that the Indianapolis Colts. Look, the Colts have surprised this year. They've surprised me. They're 3-2. and two. They've surprised me. When Andrew Luck retired, I thought, ah, uh, you know, Colts, put them at the bottom of the standings. They're done. They've surprised. The the fact that the Colts are 3-2, and two, that they went into Kansas City last night and won that game, they are maybe the biggest surprise in football right now. They are. Maybe the biggest surprise in football. But don't give me... Like, they still might not make the playoffs. You know, I think Houston is going to win that division, and I'm going to get to Houston in a moment. But uh, I just think if you're looking at this from a Kansas City Chiefs NFL... Elite status, top teams in the league perspective. The Kansas City Chiefs, the story of that game last night on Sunday night is that Kansas City's defense cannot stop. They cannot make a big stop on a big drive. They can't. They can't do it. Even though they weren't allowing touchdowns late in that game, they they couldn't make that big stop to keep Indy out of field goal range. And at that point, you knew it was a field goal game. You got you got to make those stops. They can't do it. They can't do it. And that's a problem for Kansas City. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a Chiefs fan watching that defense, knowing that there's nothing you can do. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. When the camera shows Andy Reid, <laughs> that's, that's got to be even more infuriating if you're a Chiefs fan. So uh, that's the number two story. Patriots, one of only two undefeated teams, as I record this, the Patriots in San Fran because because Kansas City loses, but maybe that should be maybe I'm burying the lead. Story number two is Kansas City loses, no longer undefeated, and in my opinion, because their defense has showed they can't stop anything and can't make a big stop in a big spot. Kansas City story number two should be they are not and should not be on that elite level until they can figure some things out with their defense. So that's story number two. Story number three, Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Payton, and the New Orleans Saints. You kidding me? The Saints beat Tampa Bay on Sunday. And now Teddy Bridgewater, he came in against the Rams in that game that Drew Brees got hurt. So technically he's played four games since Brees has gone out, but he's made three starts. Bridgewater's made three starts. He's won all three of these starts. And in those three wins, these three straight wins for New Orleans, the Saints are now 4-1-1. Teddy Bridgewater, six touchdowns, two interceptions. And, you know, give the coach some credit, too. But here are the Saints. They beat Tampa Bay. And say what you want about the Buccaneers. But the Buccaneers were coming off a huge win against the Rams in L.A. They put up 55 points on the Rams. Tampa Bay. So they're coming off that big win. You can say what you want about the Buccaneers, but that's a big win for them. And it makes them look like a better team than maybe we all thought. And the Saints take care of him. Saints beat him. The Saints three wins now with Teddy Bridgewater making the start on the center. Drew Brees injured. They beat Tampa Bay. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Seattle Seahawks. In Seattle, by the way. In Seattle. So, what the Saints are doing right now as Drew Brees is posting videos, what, on Instagram, right? Is it on Instagram or Twitter? He posted videos on social media where he's stepping back, throwing the football. You know, he's got the the torn ligament in the thumb. He had surgery. It's still all taped up and everything. But he's throwing these videos saying he's getting ready. He's getting ready. Teddy Bridgewater's going to get paid. He's already getting paid. Isn't he the highest-paid backup quarterback? But right now, he's a starter. I mean... You got to tip your cap to Teddy Bridgewater, especially if you're Bridgewater. You know, when Breeze comes back, regardless of how good you're playing, regardless of what your team's record is, when Drew Breeze is ready, when Drew Breeze is ready, you're done. That's it. Teddy Bridgewater's done. When Drew Breeze is ready. So to know that, you know, just it shows he's a great teammate. Um, but I'm sure he wants to, I'm sure that Teddy Bridgewater would want to take this team and be the starting quarterback the rest of the season. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's Drew Brees' team still. Drew Brees right now is not going to lose his job to injury. He's posting videos with the thumb. Um, He's already teasing the early comeback. And if you're the Saints, the real question was when Brees went down, my question was, could you just stay afloat? Right? Could you just kind of, Keep this thing going to a point where you stay alive in a wild card race. uh, Maybe stay alive in in the division. But, you know, not only are they staying alive, they've won three straight. They're playing great football. uh, Sean Payton's coaching it up the right way. And the Saints have not lost a step. And that maybe is a scary thing for the rest of the league. That New Orleans is going to lose Drew Brees, and it looks like they're not even going to lose a step. Throughout that whole time, we'll see what they do moving forward. But right now, the Saints are 4-1 after beating Tampa Bay. And that's got to be a top story, what the Saints are doing without Drew Brees. Because it, it really is an incredible story in the NFC. And speaking of the NFC, I think story number four has to be Green Bay's big win in Dallas. The Green Bay Packers, 4-1. They, they were coming off a loss on Thursday Night Football to the Eagles. They had a little extra time to prepare for this game. They go into Dallas. They hand the Cowboys their second straight loss. The Cowboys had lost to the Saints the week before that on Sunday Night Football. And the Cowboys in Green Bay, just two weeks ago, were both three and O teams. The Cowboys and the Packers were both three and O going into last week's week four. But as it is told you, the Cowboys lost. Both lost in week four. They're both coming off losses. They enter week five. Dallas is at home. I took Dallas with my picks on Thursday. I thought they'd win. I thought they'd cover. Whatever it was, I forget, three, three and a half. I thought Cowboys would win at home. I thought they'd cover. Uh, Green Bay jumps out to a 14 nothing lead. And vintage Twitter. This is vintage Twitter. This is vintage social media. This is social media at its finest. The knee-jerk overreaction on Twitter is when it's 14 nothing to start blaming Dak Prescott. If you actually watch this game, I know Prescott... Three interceptions. I get it. It didn't look pretty for the kid. Um, but if you actually watched the first quarter of this game and the first couple possessions, if you watched it, then you would know that it should have been maybe 14-7 Dallas. The, the, the first interception was a play deep over the middle to Mari Cooper, right off his hands, and then... Into the hands of a uh, Green Bay Packers defensive back. Interception. And that's on Amari Cooper. That's not on Dak Prescott. That shouldn't have just been a catch. That should have been a touchdown. He would have scored a touchdown. It would have been 7-0 Dallas. That's a, it's a different ballgame in Dallas against the Packers. And then after that, you come down, uh, I think a possession later or maybe two possessions later. You throw a deep pass down the right sideline to Amari Cooper. He catches it. He should have been gone for a touchdown. He stumbled over his own feet. It was a perfect pass. Dropped in the bucket. Right sideline. Wide open. He stumbled and tripped over his own feet. It led to then a couple plays later, Dak throws an interception. It should have been another touchdown. Dak Prescott should have thrown two touchdowns before he threw two interceptions. And it would have been maybe 14-0. Dallas. Or at the very least, 14-14, right? If you want to say that whatever happened, Green Bay still would have come down and scored in their first couple of positions. I mean, if you're watching this game, in the first quarter, first half, I honestly, like, I don't know how you could put that on Dak Prescott. That's on Amari Cooper. He blew two touchdowns. And that would have changed the entire game. Instead, Dallas is playing from behind, uh, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't get the carries, the amount of carries that he should against a terrible run defense. Right? I think Green Bay was a, what were they allowing, like 140 rush yards per game? I think. Is that what they were allowing going in? I just, uh, you know, but you, you you fall behind two touchdowns, you do end up getting a making somewhat of a comeback. Um, and it, it's just it, it was it was too much. Green Bay is a good team. Green Bay is a good team, so when you fall behind like that, I don't care if you're at home or on the road, doesn't matter. That that's a tough that's a tough team to come back from uh, from that type of deficit, and I, that's on Amari Cooper. That was a bad game from Amari Cooper in the first half, and I I, I honestly think he's to blame. I, if I'm going to point the finger, you know, I, a lot of people are pointing the finger at Dak because it's the easy thing to do to see interceptions and blame the quarterback. I get it, Dak Prescott though. He threw for nearly 500 yards. And he should have jumped out with 14 points in the first half, like early. Because he, he threw perfect passes to Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper just shit his pants in both spots. And it cost the Cowboys the game, in my opinion. And it cost me with a winning week with Picks Picks. It cost me with a winning week. Uh, so, Green Bay, a big win. They're 4-1. And, and now Dallas is sitting there losing two straight. The, that that's a big game, and that could decide some type of tiebreaker. When you talk about one of the top seeds in the NFC, you know that was a, I mean that was a potential NFC Championship preview. It's possible that, given what happened, like I expect the NFC West now with the Rams at three and two. The Rams lose to the Seahawks on Thursday night. Seahawks are four and one. Rams are three and two. San Fran are going to see them tonight on Monday Night Football. But going into this game, they're three and all. Even if they win and go four and all. I still expect that NFC West to be a dogfight, and you never know how that's going to end. I mean, that could end with the the winner of that division being 10-6. and six. Would that be good enough to get a first-round bye? I don't know. So, I mean, for Dallas and Green Bay, you know, those two teams could be both battling for maybe that... If you want to put New Orleans with Breeze getting back into that number one seed, or maybe even Green Bay, it's just what I'm telling you is, the head-to-head is the number one tiebreaker. And with Green Bay winning that game in Dallas, that's a huge win for uh, the playoff scenarios. And, and you know, it's early to be talking playoffs. I get it. But for that game in Dallas yesterday with Green Bay and the Cowboys, like, the playoff implications, if you're going to have playoff implications in week five, that's it. Like that head to head tiebreaker, Green Bay now owns that. And that and that ultimately could be the difference in Green Bay getting a first round bye and Dallas not getting a first round by. It could. It very well could. That could be the difference in Green Bay getting the NFC Championship at home. Or Dallas getting the NFC championship at home. It could. It could be the difference. So um that's story number four. And it brings us to story number five. As you can hear in the background, I don't know if you can. You can always hear things in the background in the studio because the windows in the studio are so thin. But, of course, you know, you got the landscaping crew outside right now blowing leaves. When the wind is blowing like crazy, this is not the best day to be out there blowing leaves. It's not. And, in fact, you're on a main road. You're on a main street. Who's paying these guys to blow leaves on Granite Ave? What is going on out there? What is happening? And they do this more than I've ever seen. They must be getting paid pretty good money. But the people who are paying them are wasting their money. There's there's nothing going on out there. They're just just blowing cement. And annoying me in the process. But what else is new, right? What else is new? Uh, Number five. This is my final point here in week five of the NFL. My final top story, Houston, the Texans, they beat the Atlanta Falcons 53-32. to The Falcons screw me over. I know, I know what you're saying. Danny, why are you betting on Matt Ryan? Well, I just thought that the Falcons were hungry. They were desperate. It was a must win. They would at least make this interesting. And you know what? They made it interesting up until about like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then after that? They just, you know, the Falcons were going to Falcon, and now they the Falcons are 1-4. and four. This is the story of two teams, Houston and Atlanta, in two different conferences, going in opposite directions. Atlanta's 1-4. and four. You could see them firing their coach soon, right? Very soon. In fact, I don't know, there might be news today. By the time you listen to this, the news might be out that they fired their coach. But Atlanta, just pathetic. That's the word to describe the Falcons this season. Pathetic, pathetic. Houston, not so much. Uh, they bounce back from a loss against Carolina, in which they only scored ten points, and they win this game at home. They score fifty-three points, and the Houston Texans not only is the story that they're three and two, and tied for first place with the Indianapolis Colts, but after the game, Deshaun Watson posts an Instagram picture with Jalen. Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey injured, has an injured back, has a back injury and I, 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 you can't see me but I have the finger quotes up and I say injured. Jalen Ramsey's demanded a trade out of Jacksonville. He did not travel with the Jaguars to Carolina. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost to the Carolina Panthers 34-27 in Carolina. Jacksonville's now 2-3. and three. Jalen Ramsey has demanded a trade. He's not practicing. He's got injuries. He just had a baby but yet he finds himself in Houston. In, what, what was this? An hour? Two hours after the Texans beat Atlanta in Houston? And Deshaun Watson with Jalen Ramsey, they were out at some local establishment somewhere in Houston. In the middle of the of the two in this picture was their agent. They, they share the same agent. So you could look at that and go, well, that's why they're together. They share the same agent. Well, yeah, but they're in Houston. And also they share the same agent. So maybe, you know, Jalen Ramsey's agent is possibly talking to people and figuring things out for his client, Jalen Ramsey. I think that if you're the Patriots, and, and well, you know, not if you're the Patriots. We'll, we'll put this on me. As a Patriots fan, as somebody who has his eye on the Patriots more than anybody else, and also sees the Patriots at 5-0, and we're looking around the league trying to find a team that maybe can, I don't know, Keep up with the Patriots. The Patriots are going to play Houston in Houston in Week 13 on Sunday Night Football, on Sunday, December 1st, in Houston. If there is a team that maybe is going to have a shot to knock the Patriots off, is it Kansas City? Well, with Kansas City's defense and the way they've been looking, I cannot say, I cannot tell you that Kansas City will beat the Patriots. I cannot tell you that Kansas City's defense will stop the Patriots' offense. I just don't think it will. But if Houston, they have this dynamic offense, they do. If they can add a Jalen Ramsey to a, a defense that they already, you know, they kind of pride themselves in their that defense. That's a, That would be a big pickup. That would probably be the team that I look at the, that I would say has the best chance to maybe knock off the Patriots. I wouldn't pick them to do it just yet. I need to see what's going on with both teams by the time you get to late in the season. But uh, I'm just saying, keep an eye on that. Deshaun Watson, the Texans, I think they're going in the right direction. I think they have a ton of weapons. They're a dangerous football team. And if they can add Jalen Ramsey with Deshaun Watson posting a picture of him and Jalen Ramsey after that came, obviously Jalen Ramsey's in Houston for a reason. Right? Right? Jalen Ramsey wants out of Jacksonville. And it, you would think, I'm not, re- look, I'm not reading too much into this. I think that means Ramsey wants to be a Texan. Right, that's sort of a message. That's a that's probably Jalen Ramsey's idea. That's probably the agent's idea to take this picture. It's probably not Deshaun Watson's idea. It's probably Ramsey and his agent's idea to take this picture. Send a message to Jacksonville. Hey, you guys are down in Jacksonville. Excuse me, you guys are down in Carolina, losing a game to the Panthers. We don't want to be there. We want to be here in Houston, and that's where we're at right now, celebrating with the Texans after a big win. Over the Atlanta Falcons, so let's finalize this. And I know it's an in, it would be an in division trade, but if you're Jacksonville at this point, if you're Jacksonville, the only thing I would the only thing I would wonder is what does Houston even have to give up? Didn't they give up all their picks to Miami? Like didn't they give all their first round picks to Miami? So what does Houston have to give up? You know that would maybe be the. Th- maybe be the one thing in the way. I don't think it would at this point if you're Jacksonville you just want I think you just want to get this over with. Right? Just get it over with. And if it needs to be in division, then so be it. But um you know, keep an eye on it, it that's all. And that's the fifth story of the week. Those are my top 5 of week 5. And I will keep an eye on Monday Night Football. I'll be uh, reacting to Monday Night Football on the live stream tomorrow, which you can watch at YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. Also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Danny Picard. Though, Twitch, I don't know. I could see myself no longer doing Twitch soon. I was all about it at first, but it's just... It's not as smooth. It's, it's almost a little too glitchy. Does anybody under, does it, like Do you use Twitch? It's real glitchy in my opinion. Like YouTube is a much smoother platform. I have knocked YouTube in the past for the algorithms and things like that. And I think shady things that YouTube does as a company. Like there isn't a single person that works at YouTube. Try, try to find me an email of somebody who works at YouTube. Try to find me their email. Try to find it. You know, try to find their DMs open somewhere. You can't contact them. They're impossible to contact. If you have an issue on YouTube, I don't know who you contact. Google, YouTube, who do you contact? I, that's a shady... They run, they run a shady operation. Right? But it is a much smoother platform. And... With this live stream, we've only done like five, maybe six of them, I think. Every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. I, 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 yeah, I'm still trying to figure some things out with live streaming and my equipment and the lag that I have at times, and and I'm trying to perfect the video and and the stream and the signal and all this stuff. Uh, and the bit rate, and all, I'm doing test runs and everything. YouTube just seems to be the 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 smooth platform that I am looking for with it more than Twitch. Twitch is a little too glitchy in my opinion. So anyways, I'll react to Monday Night Football on tomorrow's live stream. Please tune in. And uh, there's a live phone line too, call-in line. If you want to give a call in, let your voice be heard, give your take. You know, you want to talk Patriots, go ahead. Want to talk whatever, postseason, Red Sox offseason. You know, the Red Sox are not in the postseason. I'm still watching the postseason, though. I'm keeping an eye on it. No real surprises thus far in the Major League Baseball postseason. No real surprises. No. You got the Yankees up on the Twins, 2-0. You got Houston up on Tampa Bay, 2-0. Though I get a message for Tampa Bay as that series now shifts to Tampa Bay. I get a message for the Rays. When it's in Tampa. Keep an eye on Houston's spies. Houston does, they you know, they spy. And you would know that if you pay attention to me because I, no- I broke the story. I broke the news last year of the Astros spying on the Red Sox at Fenway in the ALCS. I broke that story. And if you're paying attention to my career and you saw that story, the biggest story that was broken in Major League Baseball in the last couple of years, broken by me. I guess the message to the kids out there is, well, if you want to break a story like that and, and have something good happen to you <laughs> in the industry afterwards, get it wrong. Don't get it right. Exaggerate a little bit. Maybe throw a couple lies in there. Don't just get the story right. Like I did get it wrong. You know, you, maybe some things will, maybe some things will happen in your career. Maybe you'll get a couple more, uh, job interviews, get it wrong. That would be the message. <laughs> All right? So, can you imagine, like, I know that the story got some publicity and it was kind of a top story, but it really wasn't the top story that I thought it would be. You know why? Do you know why it wasn't? Because I broke it. Or maybe I should say, you know why it wasn't? Because Ken Ro- Rosenthal or Buster Olney or John Heyman didn't break it. If one of those guys broke it, if any of those guys had any scoop on that news story or that situation, which they don't, by the way. Because if they did, you would have heard about it. Uh, even when, the, you know, you, what you learn in this industry is no news is news. No news is news. So what's happened since the Houston Astros spy gate? Anybody talking about it? Anybody bringing it up? Even a year later, you know, what's going on with that kid? Well, they're not reporting on it because they don't know shit about it. And that's why it's, you know, it's it's a non it's a non-story. That's why in this situation, no news is no news. You know? So a lesson of kids out there. Get it wrong, exaggerate, maybe lie a little bit. You don't need to get the story right in two thousand nineteen to get the publicity, to get the job interviews, uh, to get the job. You know, you don't need to get it right. You don't need to. But I will send a message to the Tampa Bay Rays, keep an eye on the Houston Astros. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Keep an eye on the Houston Astros. But no real surprises in the postseason. And then in the National League, you got Atlanta leading St. Louis. in the NLDS series, Uh, and the Dodgers lead in Washington, leading the Nationals, 2-1. You know, if I had a bet right now, I'd say it's Dodgers, Braves, Astros, Yankees, and I'm sticking with my prediction that I made right before the postseason began, Dodgers over the Astros, though the Astros, man, their pitching is stacked, isn't it? Isn't it stacked? I mean, even the Dodgers pitching is good, too, and, and it's so good that they started Waka Beulah in Game 1 over Clayton Kershaw. But, I mean, Houston, you got a Verlander, Garrett Cole, and then you go with Grinky. And Garrett Cole was awesome the other night, wasn't he? And I've talked about wanting to be the next Red Sox GM on this show many times, and you might say, well, you can't be serious because you don't have any experience, Danny being a Major League Baseball executive and even being in a meeting for an organization when it comes to making moves in Major League Baseball. You're right, I don't. But from the outside, when I do put my GM cap on, what's a move I was... What's a move that I stressed a couple years ago when he was on Pittsburgh and you knew they were going to move him? Garrett Cole. I told you. I said, the Red Sox need to make a move for this guy. Make the move. And I was telling you at the time, Make a corresponding move and get rid of price. Get Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's filthy. Do you want to put that on my resume? I would have traded for Garrett Cole. I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. Put that on my resume. Send it to the Red Sox. They're still looking for a GM. Because they do have big moves to make. Uh, we, We won't know those moves, though, until I think the J.D. Martinez stuff is figured out. And I think he has like five days after the World Series ends. To make a decision. J.D. Martinez. On whether or not he's going to opt out. So we'll wait and see. But in the postseason, no real surprises. But I will keep my eye on that and react accordingly. And then, of course, I told you at the beginning of the show, this is the busiest time of year in sports. As we get the NHL beginning. The NHL has begun their regular season here locally with the Bruins. It's The, the NHL's tough this early, though. And I'm a... You know... I love hockey. It's the sport I've played more than anything. I've played hockey my whole life. I still play. Uh, You know, I love hockey. But I've always said this about hockey. The NHL season is too long. And the same thing with the NBA season. It's too long. It's too long. It begins too early. It just seems like it lasts forever. And in the sports world where we got the NFL going on, You still got postseason baseball going through October. Uh, I just, I think that the NHL and the NBA should cut their seasons down even to 70 games. If you, you know, if the NHL wanted to begin their season the first week of November instead of the first week of October, I'd be fine with that. If the NBA wanted to begin their season uh, the, the last week of November instead of the last week of October, I'd be okay with that. I would. It's just it's early to get worked up about this stuff. So the Bruins, off to a nice start. They win their first two games. They're 2-0. They begin the season on a West Coast trip. And, uh, you know, what else do you want to say? What else do you want to say about the Bruins right now? And the Celtics? Well, I think... (laughs) I don't even know if this should be a serious story or not. But the story is Taco Fall. The Celtics played their first preseason game... Yesterday on Sunday and taco fall seven foot. Is he seven foot six? Look, it is. As I tweeted out, it's absolutely wild to watch him like <laughs> take one step and block a shot. Like he takes one step from the top of the, the key from the free throw line. And he's already down at the backboard blocking a shot. And then he goes up and gets a rebound and puts it back for a dunk. Uh, I, I, when I watch him though, it's like, alright, this is a funny story. You got people in the stands dressed up as tacos, which... <laughs> like, it's, it's just a wild scene. But, it definitely has the potential to to like become such a circus that I think maybe it could blind us from the fact that I don't know how good he's going to be. And... Are we entertained because it's a circus or are we going to be entertained because he's helping the team win games? Let's wait and see. I mean, he's not the first seven foot six dude in the league. And so we do have to remember that. Um, <laughs> it's funny to watch, though. It is entertaining. Like, for entertainment purposes, I'm sitting here going, Oh, I hope he makes a team. <laughs> I hope he makes a team. I hope we see more people dressed up as tacos in the stands. I'm all for the entertainment. But, you know, as we get into December, January, February, and we're talking about winning basketball, are we going to want Taco Fall on the court? I think let's, you know, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. But as of right now, we can joke about it, laugh about it, be entertained about it. Taco Fall, it's an entertaining story. It's absolutely wild to watch. And I'm highly entertained by it. So... So right now, I hope the Taco Falls story continues to be a good one. But we shall see um, anything that happens the next couple days. I'll react to it. Again, my live stream on Tuesday, 10 o'clock. YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. Smash that subscribe button. Follow me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Danny Picard. But as I said, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe just going YouTube in the future. Twitch a little too glitchy. Get this show every Monday and Thursday on Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. I'll be back on this show to give my picks for week six in the NFL on Thursday, uh, which I also post a clip on YouTube. So it's another reason for you to subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. And uh, yeah, enjoy your week. And I will talk to you soon. See ya.